Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Gentlemen, how are you? Start your engines. Not too bad. Yes. Yeah. The flag has been waved. I am exhausted by the amount of deals. There's no such thing as too many trades. How dare you? I think it's more exhaustion from... I don't know about you guys. I watched the first round of the draft, and I don't bother watching the second through seventh. In a normal year, it goes by very quickly. However, the past two COVID ones have been awful. If anyone actually watched rounds two through seven yesterday, or not yesterday, was it yesterday? Yes. Yes. If you took the time to do that, I applaud you, because it is is a a slugfest. I have some funny tweets about this. Okay. Yeah. By round four and five, Michael Russo was tweeting out like he's begging Bill Guerin to trade, like trade up or trade out of those rounds completely because he's tired. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. I, I did watch, well, not diligently, but I had rounds two to seven on in the background as I wrote a school exam. Mm-hmm. It, hey, was, Rebel. it really didn't didn't change. Like I, I was just as focused on the exam as I. Well, you only had to focus on three picks. Right, but I was just interested to see. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. interested to watch it if there was any trades. But the only time I ever listened was when Friedman was on. Exactly. It was like, he felt bad, by the way, because there weren't a lot of those sort of in the draft trades. Besides, like everyone moving down in that or moving yeah. up, moving up. It was really funny when Montreal and Arizona made that trade of Arizona getting Montreal seventh for Arizona seventh next year, and you're like, oh wow! So this is they made a graphic Arizona for it. What are you doing? <laughs> They just had so much time on their hands. They, it's the they're, intern. They're, they're like, bored. yeah, it's probably okay. I'm picturing this. It's the intern yeah. saying like, um, oh, I finished all my stuff. Do you guys need help with anything else? And then he's mm-hmm. like, oh, perfect. How about you make this graphic for us? That's probably what happened. That's definitely what happened. And that will be in the next GM of the Arizona Coyotes because I don't know how many staff they actually have there. Kind of like Ottawa. All right. We have an awful lot to talk about today. It has been, it's been very much a, a besides a selection in the first round, which we're going to talk about in a very, very quickly here from the Canadians and Logan Mayu. Uh, beside that, we actually had a very, very fun few days of trade. You guys know me. I love trade. I love trades so much. I beg for them. I cry for them. I love trades. You were and trigger we, happy in our uh, in our Twitch, our short-lived Twitch series. Yes, because you need just it's it's the headlines, right? Not to mention for the YouTube channel, those are the those are the videos that get you the most amount. It's because people want to hear about the new guy you've gotten. Exactly. And boy, did we have some legit blockbusters, and we will talk about them later. However, we should mention first. Because uh, there are two teams we talk about on this show mainly. Uh, those are the Leafs and the Habs. The Leafs aren't very busy right now because they had three picks. Uh, the Habs, on the other hand, uh, made headlines for all the wrong reasons in the first night of the draft, uh, selecting Logan Mayu 
out of technically he's a London Knights defenseman. He was on loan to Sweden uh, this season because the CHL did not have a season to speak of. Uh, I'm just going to read a little snippet here so people can have a bit of context for this, this young man. Uh, This is an Eric Engels article on Sportsnet. Uh, With the 31st overall pick, the Canadians chose Mayu, who had renounced himself from the process after he was charged in Sweden with invasion of privacy and defamation. Mayu paid a fine of $1,650 for showing teammates with SK Lejean in Sweden a Snapchat of him engaged in a consensual sexual activity with a woman who did not consent to having such images shared with anyone. Um, I'm just going to quickly read Mayu's statement, him like his actual statement um, regarding like when he took himself out the draft. Um, and people may be wondering, technically under the CBA, a player cannot take themselves out the draft. Um, but regardless, this statement was made and here it is being drafted into the and Sorry, this is via Logan's Twitter account, his personal one. Being drafted into the NHL is an honor and a privilege that no one takes lightly. The NHL draft should be one sorry should be one of the most exciting landmark moments in the player's career. And given the circumstances, I don't feel I've demonstrated strong enough maturity or character to earn that privilege in 2021. If I were to ever have the honor of being selected, I want a fan base to be proud to welcome me to their organization. I know it will take time for society to build back the trust I have lost, and that is why I think it is best that I renounce myself from the 2021 draft. Uh, and ask that no one select me for this upcoming weekend. I feel that this would allow me to, um, the opportunity to demonstrate an adequate level of maturity and character next season with the London Knights and the OHL and provide all the NHL teams the opportunity to reassess my character towards the 2022 NHL draft. Regardless of this statement, um, the Montreal Canadiens decided to select Logan uh, 31st overall in the draft. Immediately following the selection, they released a statement on social media. The moment that the first round had finished, Mark Bergevin spoke to the media. Trevor Timmons, after the second and seventh rounds, spoke to the media. Um, The morning after the first round, Logan Mayu talked to the media. Um, And we'll get into all of that in a second here because this is a very important discussion to have. Um, I guess, first off, what was your guys' reaction um, if you either saw it live or you saw the tweet or whatever that the Habs had had probably just made the most controversial draft pick in the history of the NHL draft? So I, I wasn't watching the first round, um, but I have Elliot Friedman on notifications for every, every time he tweets. And I, I, double, I did a double read. Because I didn't clue in on the name. I read it and I said, oh, okay, like, cool. He's been doing it all night. And then I read it again and I said, that's the guy who less than a week ago renounced himself from the draft. And I'm just, I'm not entirely sure what, I was just in shock that they actually did it. Mm -hmm. Dan. I was really shocked too. I think that, you know, we don't know a lot of the, we don't know all the details of what's been going on, but to have a statement like that, to know that there's been so much backlash with different incidents before, you know, like we, we mentioned already, Mitchell Miller last year. And 
the one thing that really shocked me was like that was already a controversial thing in the fourth round that they still the Coyotes still took a chance, but to use your first round pick like that and 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 like be okay with it, and then the whole thing I think James Myrtle was the first one who was like you know it's not a good thing if you have to put out a statement after you make a draft choice, mm-hmm. and again that still was kind of for me like in a way it was kind of like in your face type of thing. It's like with Mark Bergevin just yeah, we're using our first round pick for this guy. Like we don't care what everything else says. And then it was kind of like the same sentiment, what the coyote said about Mitchell Miller, where we're going to work with him to know that he, he could get through this and like, you know, he's working on his character and, you know, that's a big important thing for us in this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Bergevin said to defend the pick was uh, his statement showed a level of regret and maturity. I, I, I can't believe that it is like the like the feeling is like, and I, I've looked at some of like I tried reading articles on the rest of Montreal's draft picks, and you're just like, I don't care if this guy and this guy are good picks. It, it's it soiled the entirety of Montreal's draft. Now that is not actually important. Uh, the, the Habs don't matter in this. Um, Logan Mayu doesn't matter at this. Um, no offense, but like, and this looks bad for the NHL and hockey culture, which we're going to talk about in a second here. What? What's really important here, and is if you're anyone who's sort of defending this young man, is, 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 is you need perspective is super important, right? So what you need to do when, when, when you're sort of thinking about the story is, is you put yourself in the shoes of the victim. And the way I put it um, in the video I made on my YouTube channel um, was that, yeah, Sorry. Daniel's, I- Daniel's like, oh, no. All right, sorry, we're back. Technical difficulties. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying, um, you need to put yourself in the shoes of the victim here. Um, the girl who's the images he was he he showed off to his teammates, um, and you got to think, okay, how would she feel? And uh, very important, there's been no report so far that the Habs reached out to the victim. And when he was when Mayu was speaking to the media, he 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 never even referred to her as anything but the girl, which is awful. How does she feel seeing him getting drafted by a massive hockey market, um, a team that just went to the cup final? Um, ultimately, this guy is, is set up. like he, has, he will have a massive leg up on the average person now in the situation he's in. Um, and listen, I'm all for second chances. You have to earn a second chance, though. It, it's more than just being who's a teenager. I knew what was right and wrong at 18 years old. I mean, it's it's incredible to me that people are just making so so much excuses. I, I don't get it. And he honestly, guys, he didn't seem now obviously like in something like this, and we've talked about it before, receipts. All he said in his media availability was I've done therapy for the past couple of years. For all we know, that was court order. We don't know anything more. And when talked about, is there sort of a roadmap? Eric Engels asked, like about what you're going to do in, in the future here. He, he didn't have an answer. And apparently the Canadians, since he released his statement about not wanting to be drafted, did not contact him. So they don't have a plan, clearly. So and it, well, the worst part is they went with their guy. And that's actually, I think, the worst, worst thing is apparently other teams were thinking of drafting him too. Yeah, in the second round. This league, man. This league. Just just to go back to what you said there about 
uh, the second chances thing, because we did have this discussion. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. The era the fourth round pick Arizona. Mitchell Miller, Mitchell Miller. Sorry. Thank you. He, like we had that same discussion there. And I think a lot of what we said in, in, in that discussion is a, is easily applicable here as well. Like receipts, why, like it, this idea, and I never understand it, this idea that it is, it's a privilege. Like it is a privilege to play in the NHL. Like we've said this before, it is a privilege to be able to play in the NHL. It's not something that anyone is just handed. If that was the case, there would be, everyone would, would, would do it. Everyone would do it. It's like, and especially for me, for me, and listen, I get it. I'm a Leafs fan, but man, like, I'm not anti-Habs by any, by any means. Like just to see an organization like that who has such high standards. And, and I mean, you could, you could verify that for me as well, Adam, but to have such high standards in the culture that they seem to have, and then to do this, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's not your job to do, it's not your job to, to, change him like that's that should be his see it's funny you kind of mention that because there are there are two sort of schools of thought you have there in my eyes and it's it's very important people listening to the two sides here it, it obviously this is not what the montreal Canadiens should stand for um i don't this is not the kind of stuff that a carry price represents um you think of habs greats that's not what john bellavo was about but what's concerning is that if you look at some players in the past that Mark Bergevin has been interested in, a.k.a. I'm, I'm even, not even mentioning Tony D'Angelo, Saba Voinov is a big one. It's, it's, it's ignoring the, the morals of it and just being like, I want that player. And it's sickening. The Habs honestly should be ashamed of themselves and i don't mean to sort of shift off of them by saying that that multiple teams were 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 interested but they were the ones who pulled the trigger on it they saw that they a big need for the canadians going into that draft was they needed with losing weber and and kale flurry in the same week they had a massive hole in the right side of their defense in the pipeline and we already saw that during the regular season because Romanov or Kulak were playing the off offhandedness. They saw clearly it wasn't about wanting to rebuild the character. They saw a need that needed to be filled in the organization, and they saw a player who fit that mold. And they ignored everything else, like six three over two hundred pounds. Nastiness in this game is the scouting report on this kid. That is exactly what Bergevin wants. Didn't care a single bit the Canadians. And if you want any further proof. Watch that clip that's going around when Mark Antoine Gotten asked um, Trevor Timmons. I'm thinking I'm paraphrasing here. Logan Mayu said he had not earned the right to be drafted. Why did Montreal feel the opposite? And there was about 30 seconds of silence. They weren't prepared. They didn't have an answer. How do you respond to that? What? There's no right answer. There's no right answer to that question. It, it's like, such a, a simple question, though. Yeah. It just, it was, it goes beyond belief. It's like, I saw a joke, sorry to interrupt you. Like the joke yeah. was like uh, when the reporter asks you a question that wasn't in the PR guide or something. Like, I don't know. 
and, and it could have just been me, but when I read Montreal's statement, first off, and, and everyone tweeted it, I'm just, if you have to tweet out a statement after you make a pick, for the most part, that's never a good thing, ever. And in that statement that they tweeted out read to me the exact same way the Coyote statement read to me last year. And I've made my comments more than clear mm-hmm. on what I thought about that statement. Again, like, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm not dissuading anything where we look at what is the bigger issue here of a guy that clearly knows what he did was wrong. And again, he asked people don't draft me. I know that, you know, we don't know if that was a PR move or, or anything, but, and I think the other thing you've talked about is like other teams being interested in the second round. Like that's another thing, like what you said, Montreal made that pick, but I'm just looking at this where like, was it really worth that risk? Like you were picking 31st in a draft where it was a dartboard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could have, like, it's not like you're, we're mentioning like here are the top five guys and, you know, we, we just had to get him. It's, it's, it's at the end of the first round where there like there was clearly other guys who who went who who dropped in the draft. There were guys that still showed that type of skill set that they wanted on the right side, and yet they still made that pick. Yeah, like Alturati was available. It, he Logan Mayu was not even the consensus best player available. Now, if you look at draft list, he was projected around there, but that doesn't matter. Now, um, apparently some some other rationale that was discussed was because of where Montreal then drafted in the second round, they didn't believe that he would be available. And it's like, like and it's and if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, what does that mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. It's just it's, that was their thinking. It was think of the human side of this guy. It's so simple. Like, what are you doing? It, it, it that and I listen. I'm not. It's not your fault. It's their rationale. It just doesn't make any amount of sense to me. So clearly, we're just. It doesn't matter whether he was drafted in the first round. He could have been the first overall pick. He could have been the last pick in the draft. What he did is still a thing. It doesn't even like Mitchell Miller was a fourth round pick last year, and we still had the this long discussion about it. It's irregardless of where he where he is picked it's this this discussion that we're having and i think i was ready like before the canadians picked picked him i was ready to come on this show and blast the league as just business wise they don't make sense i'm starting to realize just this league as a whole is just it's just catastrophically horrible Mm -hmm. I, i i don't know what what we're doing here because my understanding was I believe it was about five or six teams who had him on a do not draft list. That's uh, there's 32 teams in the NHL. It's, it's baffling. The cherry on top. This is the last thing I'll I'll say here um, is the language of the first round is very particular in the fact of, um, a normal year, they go up to the podium. A team will say normally, congratulations to the Stanley Cup champions. Maybe the runners-up. Shout out to Batman finally saying something about the Habs, by the way. At this point, I kind of wish he'd take it back, though, or took it back, by the way. Um, 
And by the way, the look on Batman's face after the, the pick was made was like, it spoke volumes. So anyway, you have that kind of stuff, right? Like they welcome the home city. They, they say hi to their fans. Naturally, they didn't do that because of how slow the the, the, um, the pace of it was. And uh, by the way, in a second, we're going to talk about the broadcast itself because many issues with the draft this year. But what was shocking to me was um, it gets to Montreal. And and it's this is the dagger. We are proud to select. Is, is the nail in the coffin. Now, normally you would say, they always do that with a pick. Yes, but the context is so important around Logan Mayhew. It just, it, it, uh, it's, it's still, I'm, I'm, I'm to a level speechless. I just should be ashamed of themselves. Every member of that organization that went along with that pick. Ownership, if they knew, because I, I, I doubt the fact that Jeff Molson wouldn't know. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it's more than just Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons, especially with the story, just purely from a business sense. With a story when it comes out like that, and you are now going to say, he said we don't want, he said he doesn't want to be drafted, but we're going to draft him anyways. Every single, there's no way that Jeff Molson doesn't know. There's there's multiple people who have to know about this. This isn't Mark Bergevin going rogue. Like I saw people saying it looked like Trevor Timmons doesn't know. I find it or didn't know. I just find that hard to believe that members of, of management and ownership would not know about a decision like this prior to be it being made, especially considering the context behind it. I remember um, Brian Burke, and I'm just going to talk about like how a pick is selected and how they value a first-round pick. I remember Brian Burke when he was outlining, I guess, his own process of how he was managing picks. Like he mentioned that, you know, he loved Bobby Ryan or he loved Morgan Riley as those picks. But again, like yeah, I'm the GM, but it doesn't mean I could just you know go on my own and pick these guys. Like there's. It's like he's being held accountable by everyone else in that organization to make a decision for that one player. So I completely agree that it, as much as we blame Mark Bergevin, we know like how the process is. It was a collective failure, I think, by that management team. The, by the way, the way I, I, it's always been around the Canadians draft is, is always Timmons is the guy in charge. Um, and whoever him and his team say they should take on the list, it's them. It was it was even going back to like that leaked footage of when Caulfield was drafted. Oh no, sorry, they put that that out. But remember, their draft list got leaked. Oh. God, um, like Trim, Timmons gets the call. Now the a GM would have the final say, but that that's just another body in the way of saying yes or no. And again, right. what makes it being in the first round even worse than in the fourth or the fifth or whatever is again the broadcast of it. And again, going back to the girl, the, the victim, sorry, seeing that broadcast, cause she'll see the clip just makes like, she'll remember everything all over again. And it's, it's that, that at the end of the day is the worst part. And I feel horrible for her. Um, we should move on though. Again, it is, it is always going like, this is always a hard turn to make. Um, Though we have a lot to talk about today. I think that's the last we're going to mention on the Canadians at all. Um, and whatever. Uh, okay. 
from here, guys, um, the draft itself, again, with COVID, it's done remotely. Uh, there were some viewing parties kind of across different cities and that. Seems like they had like a big setup in Columbus because obviously they had a great day. By the way, I, I would, I, can we all agree that, that Columbus were, like Columbus and Buffalo, but I'd say more so Columbus won the draft? Yeah, a wicked team especially who that. drops to them. Yeah, remind me who they picked again. Um, what? How do you say his name again? Cole, um, Cole Sillinger. Cole Sillinger and um, let me just go back. <laughs> oh, uh, Kent Johnson. Kent, that was the okay, Kent Johnson. That was like the he doesn't have the super skill, but like that's like the head first type of guy into every play. But not even just right. that. Like the second they got oh. for Jake Bean, or sorry, trading the second for Jake Bean was great. There's one was, more guy. Yes. Okay. Who? Who else? Corson Coolman's. Is that guy be, who's? Is that the guy named after Shane Corson? Uh, I don't. I don't know about that. Okay, it might I be, would yeah. believe it. No, uh, but yeah. don't be confused by Carson Coolman, the defenseman in uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> guys, I need you to explain something to me. Why in the draft are we still doing this? Because between picks, obviously, you get the five-minute sort of window to, to make your pick or trade it. Why in the world are teams using the full five minutes? And why, if you are trading a pick, does the team who is moving up, who clearly knows their guy taking another five minutes to make the pick, just completely slow down the draft? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. it's weird to me. Like, What I kind of felt with that is – then, like you're not doing any last minute work. It's like you're right. Like you already know your list going in and just make the pick. What happens in the NBA is like the pick is in, even though they have like sometimes the three or four minutes. But once it's done, it's done, right? You go to the podium or you for in this case, you just mention it. I don't like it. They sold it down. Like I th- I think um at one point, like Bill Garrett, when they made the wall stat pick, he he hurried up. He was doing a good job. By the way. Uh, looking at some of the picks in depth here, obviously Owen Power goes number one to Buffalo. He wasn't prepared on the broadcast to tell exactly where he was going next year. He's probably going back to Michigan. Yeah. Um, Seattle, their first pick is Maddie, Maddie Beneers. That was pretty cool. Um, further proof to how enclosed hockey is. Lot of a uh, lot of sons or cousins of NHL players. Uh, Luke Hughes going to New Jersey with his brother is pretty cool. Taylor McCarg and he picked in the 200s going to Colorado to be with his brother. Uh, Colton Dock goes to Chicago. Um, Josh Doan, I believe that's Shane's son, goes yeah. to Arizona. Though the big one I want to ask you guys about the Coyotes need a goalie, right? The Coyotes need a goalie. Sorry, not the sorry, not not the Coyotes. Edmonton. Edmonton need oh, a yeah. goalie, right? Um, I mean, I've made myself quite clear on Mike Smith, but yeah. So why in the world did they trade the pick to Minnesota to let the Wild pick Jasper Wallstadt? What were the, they thinking? Apparently, the mentality is, and I'm not saying this is correct, but Ken Holland's mentality, according to Chris Johnson, is that they're in a win now mode. Like they're still going to wait like three or five years for Jasper Wallstadt. But it's uh, that's that's bo- baloney. They 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 traded for the twenty second and then the ninetieth overall pick. I'm like I'm not. I believe what you're saying, Daniel. I just think that mentality makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're gonna get Jesper Wallstadt in five or six years. Let's say. Um, how about like who cares and just take them? Another thing I found there, and this is my own analysis, just based yeah. on like looking at the picks. 
after that first round, Edmonton doesn't select for a while, right? Remember, because the Andreas Anthony CU trade yes. and all those other random trades they've done that if they didn't get the third round pick, then they were not going to be selecting for like quite some time in the draft. Yeah, they went from the 22nd overall pick, which they selected Xavier. Oh, man. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Burgo. Burgo, I think. Burgo. And yeah. then they they didn't pick until the 90th, where they p- selected Luca Munzenberger. But, like, why would, he, would you just take Jesper Wallstadt? Like, what was the idea here in saying, yeah, we're going to take a guy in the third round? You don't have anyone in the pipeline. That's the problem. Like, no offense, but Stuart Skinner? Is that it? Who else? I mean, we'll see who they sign in free agency, but I just didn't I didn't get it for Bedminton. By the way, looking at Minnesota, like also getting, I think they had Carson Lambos as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had also a very good draft. It was really funny because also great, great gesture. So this is not what's funny. Um, a really great gesture to have Tom Kerber's family there making the picks. Yeah. Now, what I meant to see that was funny was – you saw the nameplates of the draft table. And I saw Judd Brack, and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Vancouver. I'm so sorry. And from what I've read, and Daniel, you might be able to talk more about it, but it seemed like Minnesota just overall had a really good draft. Yeah. Um, like, Jesper Wallstad, he's a guy that apparently Judd Brackett is the one who's like, we have to get this guy because he dropped. Remember, he was supposed to be the first goalie selected right. before Sebastian Kosa. Yeah. And then... Carson Lambos is, um, I think, I forgot who on Sportsnet wrote an article about it, but they compare his game to like what I find is very Minnesota in a way, like that 200-foot okay. game. And the, his most comparable is, a J, is Jake Muzzin. Okay. Where I mean. like apparently he's more disciplined in his early, early, early years than Jake Muzzin, but like he has that kind of like, you know, he's not going to be your number one guy, but he's someone that you absolutely need if you want to win. There could be a lot worse comparisons than Jake Muzzin. That's what I'll say. Pretty good defenseman from what I hear. Yeah, I'd say so. I really like his name. Muzzin? Carson Lambos. No, Carson Lambos. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is a good name. Everyone thought Winnipeg was going to take him, and I was kind of confused when they didn't. Very weird, very weird for Winnipeg. I'm shocked that everyone was shocked. The Tyler Boucher pick, 10th overall. And then his dad was like, yeah, he's going to be like Joss Anderson. Everyone's like, wait, what? Because this guy was supposed isn't, to go like like sorry. middle of the second round. Isn't this Brian Boucher's son? Is what yeah. I understood, of course. Yeah. Sounds right. Sounds right. That's, come on. Come on. Guys. Apparently he had a rough year, though. Like there were injuries. Like he did well for himself. Like yeah. you think about it, the Sens have gone off the board before. I'm pretty sure the, um, the Lacey, was it Lacey Thompson? Yeah. And then Jake Sanderson. Yeah, they they went, but like Sanderson well, was going to go high, but like the yeah. Lassie, Lassie Thompson was yeah. like a bit of the off the board stuff. Like, not to mention, like Gunter fell. Like it, it it's a wild draft. You know what I mean? Eklund fell. I thought yeah. from what I read nah. the last two weeks, to me it seemed like Eklund was going to be a top three pick. Yep, and he fell to seventh, and that San Jose I I think got a really good player. Um, but we'll see. Like there, there were some weird ones. Like it seemed like after Owen Power, it was just a crapshoot. You know what I laughed at is um before the draft, Mason McTavish. Yeah. They're like, who's your most comparable um in the NHL right now? And he said Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> he got selected. Uh, what are the chances? 
You love it. Um, now it, it gets a little messy talking about talking about trades because it's like okay, they got a first. Okay, the first already happened. Um, so it's because mm. it, we're gonna talk about some big trades that come out. Actually, no, sorry. Before we do, yes. I should say. Um, so the Leafs had a had a brief draft. Um, yeah. How Very did they brief. do, Alex? I mean, from what I've read, people are are happy they made three selections. They drafted um, the next dot dot suit, right? Is that what someone said? I don't know. I just in the six, was it know, in a goalie in the sixth they, round? So they you took know what the draft Via, is like, they, right? They, yeah, they took Vyacheslav Peksa. Uh, he plays for Irbis Kazan, which oh, is actually yeah, which is actually the same team that they took um, Arthur Aktyumov in oh. the fourth round last year, I believe. Two greyhounds of overseas, from what I hear. So they're going to be playing <laughs> so, together, yeah, while also competing for with each other. So you know what I find so funny, and I actually I texted Adam about this yesterday, and I don't know if if we're going to get to it today or on a different show. But the talk around Dubis lately is so weird to me. Like he picked a, so he picked a guy six foot two, two ten. He picked this guy in the second round. And people are still complaining. Like, what is he? What What do you want? What do you want from the man? You know, it's funny. Um, the goalie, the Ducks picked. I forgot his name, but he's six foot seven. Oh my god, he's huge, man. Huge. I love the draft and hate it because it's like I love the player movement, but then like you just it's like somebody raves about a fourth round pick and it's like, like reading some drafts is like wow they got two guys who could probably make the NHL and you're like oh. Okay. Yeah. Like, what? What is it? Like, you hope that, like, if it's north of three picks you've had that make the NHL, it's an amazing draft. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like the comparables. It's like I see some Dougie Hamilton, and then a fan is like, oh, we got Dougie in the fifth round. Like, that's not how it works. What? I, I, I have a funny thing to state. Sure. So the six foot seven goalie is Gage Alexander. Okay. That the Ducks pick in the fifth round, and that fifth round pick is Edmonton's original pick. That. They got for trading Erica Branson to Ottawa, and then Ottawa previously acquired this pick for Tyler Ennis. Oh, wow! Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's the best. So, like the, the trade trees that are going to come out of the draft all of a so, sudden. So that's two goalies Edmonton has missed on. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. I love it, love Devin it. Dubnik. We, can we can we stretch it out and say Devin Dubnik too? Sure, sure. We can we can stretch it out as long as you want for Edmonton. I'm Cam Talbot. Okay. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Kind of like how I love the trades and all that. Um, so we can do a deep dive on Dubis once free agency is up and up and yeah. doing, you know, we have everyone saying, Oh, the lists are going to be bad. It's like, guys, we probably, we still have one of the biggest periods of player like movement, which is hilarious. Isn't it? With how much, like, this is an off season of my dreams with yeah. like, this is what we were promised last year. But yes, the expansion yes draft pushed everything, and we still have free agency to go. That we might be the have... title of the episode. What? Off season of my dreams. I'm okay with that. It's just me with oh. like heart in my eyes. Like oh, it is now. I love right. it. So I'll write it down. We have some trades to talk about here. Some, many. Now it's amazing that a Several. one for one, including Jake, uh, not Jake, Jake Atkinson, um, with Cam Atkinson and Jake Voracek is somehow. As for one for one is an after 
or thought of the trade. So Columbus, we're going to focus on the three trades they made first. Then we're going to go to Buffalo. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the OEL deal after that. Some stuff like Budznevich. We're going to talk about the Makar extension, the Hall extension. And I think that's going to be everything for today, but there's a lot in there. So first off, the Columbus Blue Jackets have reacquired Jake Voracek. Which is hilarious. He has three years left on this deal, by the way. It's $8.25 million. And going to Philly, who actually, uh, remind me, we need to have a talk about Philly in a second here. Okay. Uh, they sent Cam Atkinson the other way. Um, a little feisty little guy. Great goal scorer, but he has four years left, $5.875 million. What I am confused about with this trade is that Columbus have such an, a problem with getting guys to stay. And Cap Atkinson's like the poster boy for I stayed. I love it here. And yeah. then we're getting Jake Voracek back, who described his relationship with the fan base as love and hate. <laughs> like, I love it. I didn't get it. Um, okay, I just have, before we actually talk about actual analysis, I have a joke about the Jake Voracek. Let's going to Columbus. Like, I know this always happens when a player goes back to a team, but like on Twitter, there are people showing pictures of Voracek from like 2008, 2009. It's like, oh, how first picture of Voracek in a Columbus uh, jersey. Um, How's my Photoshop skills? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, with the, for me, I didn't really understand it from Columbus's sense just because what are you getting back three years of Jake Voracek? Like, it just feels like it's a, like I've seen some guys on Columbus Twitter, just basically saying that this is just a total reset. And it's similar to what, um, which team was it? I don't remember the team, but you're essentially clearing house and a uh, Minnesota where they're like, yeah, okay. So we're just letting guys go who were, a part of the last regime, if that's what we're going to call it, mm-hmm. and starting this new one. But to me, it's like, well, you couldn't have gotten anything other than Jacob Warcheck for Cam Atkinson. Mm-hmm. That's all you could get. That, to me, in my eyes. You know what I do wonder? Yes. is I, I really think Voracek's going to bounce back because he doesn't have to deal with the Flyers media anymore. Sure. Sure. Remember that reporter he went after when he's like, you just write this crap. And it's, yeah. it's, I love, I don't know. I just love Voracek's personality. Um, and we, we, there were reports that they needed to change the scenery. Like I, I, it's a bold move. It is. Yeah. And like, like looking at it, Yermo Kekalainen might be one of my favorite general managers in the league now because he's just, he, he, he knows what he wants to do and he does it. It's it's weird, like it's kind of the opposite of the Vancouver trade in a way that there's the the sort of and like listen, I think you still have two very good top six level uh, forwards in my opinion, but there is the, the there's the more money, but there is sort of shorter term as opposed to the Vancouver OEL where it's just like oh my god, we're gonna sit here with massive term and we're probably gonna be screwed a few years because we're <laughs> Vancouver and we already were, but now it's even worse. Woo! It's like. Um... It's like Jim Rutherford, where he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it, whether anyone likes it or not. And he'd make the trade. And that's what Yarmo's doing here, I think. What, I, what I'm what i feeling with this is what what kind of Columbus Blue Jackets team is he going to be looking for now with this type of money on the roster? Because he's still paying Gustav Nyquist and he's lost to pay or you know do something with Patrick Laine. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, is it, 
going to be a full scale rebuild? Because I know that Atkinson didn't really have one of the easier contracts to move, but I assume that he would have gotten younger assets for that than doing a one for one. Can we talk about that? That Patrick Line and Jake Voracek are on the same team. <laughs> Put them together for every media availability yeah. ever, please. Let's do it. I um, want that zest. So I like again. If you're not far following Aaron Portsline, follow Aaron Portsline. Yeah, he's just gonna have all the scoops here. Another thing, sorry, just with because Daniel yeah. brought up rebuild. Yeah. Um, I was reading. I believe it was either Thirty One Thoughts or it was Aaron Portsline who reported it that they've been taking calls on Zach Wierenski. So if that's – if to answer your rhetorical question, I believe it is they are going for a full-scale rebuild. And I trust Yarmo Kekalainen in doing it. Like just yeah. looking – and we'll get to the Seth Jones deal, but man. Oh, oh and you know what? We'll, we'll do it right now. Okay. We'll do it right now. I mean, because I mean, beside that, they got Jake Bean for a second rounder. I think, I think the second may have been from Chicago, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, and I think we can agree that Jake Bean, good defenseman to have. Carolina, kind of weird that they got rid of him. Anyway, they didn't have time. Like, they didn't give him an opportunity. No, they didn't. Kind of like Caden Fleury. How are you? But anyway, so looking at Columbus. They make the move, the, the move of the weekend, I would say, right? Yep. So Chicago has been rumored and linked to Columbus and the Seth Jones trade for a couple of weeks now. And there was sort of that word of, you know, it wouldn't hurt if we got his brother from the Oilers, which they did. And we complimenting that trade. And it's very difficult to compliment the Blackhawks right now, yeah. which is probably good because we're not going to compliment them for this deal. Because it was bad. Yeah. So, but for Columbus, it's amazing. So Columbus, oh, sorry, no, that is the Jake Bean stuff. No, I mean, I mean to reset. So the Blue Jackets in Chicago, uh, from this trade, first off, they swap their picks in the first round of the draft. Um, Columbus to 11, Chicago to 32. Uh, also remind me, please, guys, I want to talk about Bowman's pick and how he did it. Um, the Blue Jackets also get the second rounder, which turned into Jake Bean, uh, a 2022 first rounder, which is apparently lottery protected. Most are nowadays. Oh, it's top and, two protected. So Todd just, oh yeah, because it, it's, but yeah, but the lottery is only the first two picks now, isn't it? Oh yeah, 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 right. Yeah, I remember they changed it, Daniel. Sorry, I got confused. NBA rules. It's okay. It's okay. That's a, a superior league, Daniel. I don't oh. blame you. And the big piece, the prospect is Adam Bogfist, a defenseman who we looked at a lot was like, man, you're going to be building around him for the future, aren't you? Instead, no. Uh, and by the way, Chicago get a 2022 sixth rounder and Seth Jones. Now, on Wednesday, the Blackhawks are expected to sign Seth Jones to an eight-year contract extension, which doesn't kick in until next season because he's a year left on his deal. $76 million. This will carry an AAV of $9.5 million, which will make him the third highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League. And yes, that is above Kale McCarr and Miro Haskinen. The two above him, Drew Doughty, terrible contract for a declining defenseman, Eric Carlson, horrible contract for a declining defenseman, and here we are, Seth Jones, a terrible deal for a de- declining defenseman. So, gentlemen, 
how do we feel about Seth Jones getting this contract? Because I think we can all agree he's a good defenseman. Yeah. The, but the contract or the deal? Like, I think I think first talk about the return Columbus Scott, and then we can rip apart that albatross of a deal. I think the return Columbus Scott is is phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. I I was and I get they moved down, like they moved to the so Chicago moved down essentially. Like if I if I can do the math right there, but mm-hmm. you got two first round picks and Adam Bachfist. Great name. And, and then essentially Jake Bean um, for Seth Jones, a first and a sixth. Like, I think that's a great deal. I wasn't expecting that we were having, they were just talking about Alex to bring cat. And uh, I think it was Kirby doc. I didn't realize that because they were having conversations of this magnitude. Like I, to me, trading Adam Botquist, in my opinion, was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Not that I also would have traded to Brinkhead or Doc, but if that's where the conversation is starting, I'm like, sorry, I just don't really want Seth Jones then. Like, that's a high, high price to pay. The like Columbus look like geniuses leaving this, leaving this deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um, I, I really laughed at or had a good chuckle of with Mark Lazarus and his his article on this trade, where I don't. It's like. He was writing down what everyone was thinking. And it just, it was funny because it's just like, it just sounded like he was just thinking about it. Like he was just talking to himself in a way. Like he's like, really, Adam Bockwist and the other picks? Like, why can't it be one or the other? And then it's just the idea of like, what are you getting out of the Seth Jones? It's like, I know that it was a drastic drop off this past season that this is not the same uh, Seth Jones from like two years ago. But again, it just, the one question like and he put it up like really well was what are you adding Seth Jones to? Like what is this Blackhawks team like you're adding to? Like this is not Jonathan Taves of three years ago, or we don't know how he's gonna play after a year off. You know, Patrick Kane's still gonna be Patrick Kane, but you don't have that depth anymore. You you're not adding like a Seth Jones who there's so many question marks to it, to a team that you know you in a way depleted your your assets. You really did deplete your assets and this comes at a time where I complimented Chicago going into the bubble and going into the season that they were get they were getting the most out of all those young guys that they had out there. And now that they're going to try to do something that I don't understand what they want to do. To me, this deal screams very similarly to when uh, the Rangers went out and signed Artemi Panarin in free agency. Because I, in my opinion, at the time, I didn't necessarily think the Rangers were ready to add on a player of Artemi Panarin's caliber. I, I just think you're putting a guy who's going to make $9.5 million and is a very good defenseman into a rebuilding team. And you're giving up major, major assets to do it. Mm-hmm. What the big difference there, by the way? Well, two things. First off, Panarin's worth eleven million dollars. Right. Correct. Correct. And they got him for nothing. A hundred percent. Just the just the idea. I mean, of adding a superstar to a rebuilding team. It's to accelerate everything. It's just what Chicago have just done here is is you may have taken a step forward, but you've taken two steps back. Getting rid of Boff is, and and no offense to Seth Jones, but uh, even I think it, when he was at his best, 
I don't think he's going to be able to work a power play the way Adam Bogfist can. And what's important that Chicago need to realize here is you may add this player, but, and listen, I love watching Patrick Kane play. May be the best American-born player. By the time the rest of those younger players in, in Chicago start hitting their peak, Kane might be done. Forgetting about, forget about Taves, as you mentioned, Daniel. Patrick Kane might be done there. And if it's set, like, and again, who's behind Seth Jones in that defense now? DeHaan? Nikolai Baudin. Yeah, another uh, young guy. Ian Mitchell. Another young guy. Like, there's, yeah. the timelines aren't going to match up here. And, and not to mention, I mean, again, nine and a half? No, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I get you have cap space and, and Seabrook and, and Shaw, but the problem there is for those contracts and that LTIR to work, you need to be against the cap. Right. And you don't want to be filling it with Seth Jones because all of a sudden, I don't think Alex Debrinkat's that far away from being in. What's his deal like? I need to. What is that? Uh, so he has two more years left. Um, and then he's a restricted free agent with our rights, but he actually comes up comes up at the same time as Kane, uh, Taze, and Brett Connolly, which is about $24 million in cap space, if I can do math correctly. At at the end of your two cornerstone players, which are going to be impossible to replace, you will only be – you technically, by then, you will still have seven more years of Seth Jones. Yeah. I I don't – Six. Six. Six? Uh, no, seven. You're right. I can't do math. To answer your, sorry, Adam. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. To answer your question, so after this year, Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, who are technically the defensemen after Seth Jones, are UFAs. And that leaves you with Riley Stillman, Ian Mitchell, Wyatt Kalenic, Caleb Jones, and then Nikita Zadorov has arbitration rights as an RFA right now. Reminder that they lost the Saad trade twice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it, man. You're not in a position to be trading this draft capital. I don't like it, like, especially in, in a central division where I just don't think you're going to be a threat. If it, if you were Stan Bowman and you wanted to add an elite defenseman or a star defenseman, would it have not made more sense to say, let's overpay Dougie Hamilton than instead of, in my opinion, overpaying Seth Jones? Yep. Yeah. You know now Dougie's not getting the same deal because this league doesn't value him the same way. Yeah, but I don't understand why. Like, uh, it's no a, one does. The most important question in hockey, my friend. Most important question in hockey. I mean, we'll get to it later, but there's one particular defenseman trade that continues to boggle my mind more than this contract. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we'll, both sides of the story. A good thing for Chicago, they're going to be better. But what's the margin? Sure. Uh, it's, it's not. It's like great. It's like Stan Bowman. Okay, like this is what I kind of feel the two things. This is like my final thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. One is like he cannot let go of Kane and Taves. Like he's he has that mentality that we've talked about before. Malkin Crosby, like even though you have the two of them, you have to always go for it. And the way everything is structured this year is like we got to go for it because we may potentially lose half our defensive core to free agency. And, and ownership is probably saying, yeah, you're not trading Tanner Caves either because they make too much money. Hey, no. sorry, they make us too much money. Yeah. So, no. 
Don't you, and Daniel, don't you also say like the difference between having the the team that Sydney and that Crosby and Malkin are surrounded by versus the current team that the the Black, the Kane and Taze are surrounded by? I think I would pick the Penguins ten times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps when Latang's just kind of casually been there, and like, oh great, here's Gensel out of nowhere. Who was the last, like, oh, my God, they just happened to have this guy that Chicago had? Again, they, they traded all of them, like Tara Vina and that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Pius well. Sutter, we'll see how that goes. Or um, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Like, he did well this year, too. Uh, Philip Khrushchev? 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 Yeah. Yeah, because, like, Kirby Doc, he only played 18 games this year. Right. Yep. And, like, in- they were okay until they had, like, that – end of the year meltdown well, okay were, and imagine that in the 82 game season yeah well they were riding on a hot kevin lankin in mm-hmm. oh yep right yep. Like, yeah that would that help having a good goalie i i think all three of us would be in extreme agreement of is extremely important he also only has one more year really yeah yeah, but I mean the way young goaltenders are being thingy right now, like he's not going to have great comparables. Nedeljkovic, all right, three years. Sucks his team hates him. All right, looking at some of the stuff Buffalo did actually. Uh, I thought Kevin Adams hit it out the park this weekend. Uh, I know people aren't excited about the Reinhardt return, but when you look at what they got for Ristolainen, I'd say it evens itself out. It's funny what Buffalo Taylor Hall could have gotten more, but you know they got him for free or eight million, but no assets, right? Um, home run refers to line and maybe you want a little more in the, uh, in the Reinhardt deal. Maybe this means that next up it's, it's like a, it's a bouncing ball. They're going to nail it with Jack Eichel. Whenever that happens, didn't get dealt at the draft. That's kind of weird. Um, apparently the Rangers aren't anywhere near that. So I can't wait to see where Eichel ends up anyway, though. Minnesota. First off, hmm? Minnesota, I, I, maybe they're there. They're interested. I mean, they have the assets. Sorry. They have the assets. Oh, they do. Things like they just have to. What is um every trade scenario I've seen with it? Even Michael Russo's mentioned it. Like Victor Rask has to get to go back in that deal because of money, right? Yeah, he's getting like four million dollars. Do it, do it. Nice, nice veteran leadership because the Sabers need something. Okay, which deal you want to talk about first? So many. Reinhardt, Sam Reinhardt, who has really rebuilt himself this year. Goes to Florida for a 2021 first, which I believe is also lottery protected. And goalie prospect, world, some would say a world junior legend, silver medalist this year to the Kings of the South, I will say. Devin Levi goes the other way. Um, now, I am not convinced on what ceiling Devin Levi has though apparently what was really big for right for uh, Kevin Adams on this whole thing was getting the first round pick that's from Elliot Friedman in the new episode of 31 thoughts people should listen to that after they've listened listen to us obviously uh, because we're better even though we just talk about 31 thoughts the entire time <laughs> yeah. I think we've been good on that today though no no we've been good we've been yeah good. with me basically all my notes have been from the athletic <laughs> no, no we've been good on it today last yeah. episode was so but Buffalo are are trying to get rid of the people who don't want to be there because of how Buffalo have handled things. Not, not Kevin Adams' fault, by the way. But I, I still a respect respectable return for Reinhardt. I'd say I can give him a pass yeah. here. I, I think it's 
I think, yeah, he probably could have gotten more if, but I, I do think the deal that he got, if you're high on Devin Levi probably wasn't like, he probably wasn't going to get much of a chance in uh, Florida because Bobrovsky's tied up forever. He uh, must Spencer hate Knight. Spencer Knight this year, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Spe- Spencer Knight and and then obviously Devin Levi is that last guy. And, and you know, they already got a young guy in Uko, Uko Pekka Lukanen, but to have a second young guy is seems like it's good. And also Buffalo have no goaltenders, uh, which seems to be an issue. But I, I think the first round pick, it's uh, top 10 protected, but Either way, you're getting a decent pick out of it. I think it's just hindsight because Reinhardt was a second overall pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where that that comes from. Again, yeah, like, you know, you get a first out of this, which was great because he was definitely not re-signing with them um, after this, this one year. And again, like, you know, we don't know what a Devin Levi is going to look like for the Sabres, but I think the big thing I, I liked about it was the timeline because they're going to go through another huge rebuild, but he is playing at Northeastern university right now. So there's, you know, as a seventh round pick, I expect he's going to play the full four years before he comes off, comes in as like a 22, 23 year old, and then he's going to have the AHL time. So if there's something there that he could become an NHL then I think that was, that was perfect for Buffalo to kind of pick him. Learn from the Carolina Hurricanes, Kevin. Be patient with your goaltenders, please. Yeah. Otherwise, you overpay for them and you have to buy them out like Scott Darling again. Yeah, talk to Ron Carolina. Hextall. Ron Hextall. Yeah, this uh, is true also. Be patient. But, yes. uh, <laughs> from, from Florida's perspective, though, and I feel like we've had this discussion that we fe- have this feeling they're going to take a step back. Oh, they're oh but, yeah. Like re-sign, bringing back Anthony Duclair. Now bringing in Sam Reinhardt, who obviously they still have to sign, but you also still have Sam Bennett, who you're going to have to resign as well. Like they can make move and getting rid of Keith Yandel or not getting rid of that. Like he was clearly liked, but opening up that space could be pretty decent. They, they have $11 million in cap space. I can't see them being huge players in the big names for free agency but i can see them making those same type of depth moves they made last year with a guy like duclair at the time uh like wenberg and and the others that they signed well they they apparently are in on suitor now everyone probably has like he has them linked to the islander but if not if they can get him on board and what's what, what i really like about this deal is they got reinhardt and they didn't have to give up owen tippett or yes. Antoine Lundell, which is super sick. And right now, Daily Faceoff has uh, Reinhardt slotted in for that top line with Verhage and Barkov. And then you got Duclair, Bennett, Huberdo. Oh, Great. oh, I, I man, I, I'm, I, I'm excited for Florida. I don't know. Say, yeah. Like, are they going to finish top three? Yeah, I don't know. I honestly think so. I, I must say, I though, do. like with this deal, especially with Reinhardt being 25, the other angle I look at it is you don't really give up much for it. And you, you didn't kind of bet on like your guys that who had the breakout years who what Will Kristoffel said they played above their pay grade mm-hmm. did like you actually got and you got someone to like who's established who's going to give you that solid secondary scoring. Because when we again, like I've mentioned this 
like a way back, like you have to give Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdo the support that they need if you want them to again sign long term with you. Boy, did they just on Bark, just on those two contracts? Barkov is up at the end of next year, Huberdo in two years. So, this is an important year. Yep. They've got a like, this is the statement year to those young guys. Well, not young guys, but you know what I mean? Those. Those very important players. Exactly. And then listen, whatever they want, just give it to them. Honestly, if they gave Barkov like eight years and they just gave him max term, like max money, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Might be the next most complete player in the league. Honestly, might be. So like, give him what he wants. Honestly, I don't care if it's flat cap. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. He's nasty. Just do it, man. Or they just they do the Kane and Taves things and him and Barkov just get like this. Or him and Hubert just get like the same deal. I'd be okay with that. I'd be really okay with that. Kind of like how I'm very okay with some of the other business Buffalo are doing here. They trade Rasmus Ristolainen into the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers who are just so nuts right now. In exchange, Buffalo get defenseman Robert Haig, the 14th overall pick, and a 2023 second rounder. For, for Rasmus Ristolainen, again, we can't see much. We, I think we've talked about it. Buffalo, a fantastic job. Looking at Philly now, we all knew – see, when, when Fletcher was hired, I think we all kind of had this idea, okay, where are the nuts trades? Okay, where are they? And all of a sudden, here it is. They wanted to rework their defense. All of a sudden, it projects as Ryan Ellis and Ivan Provorov – Rasmus Ristolainen and Travis Sanheim, and then Justin Braun, and they slot Cam York in there. Um, if you're curious about the forwards, it's Konechny, Couturier, Giroux, uh, Farabee, Hayes, Atkinson. That's not bad. Uh, and Abe Kubel, Lawton, Van Riemsdyk, Lindbaum, Frost, and Wade Allison. Okay, hot take. I kind of love this. I hot, Super hot take. Philly are winning the Metro next year. Okay, well, yes, fine. Like that's, I, I, I don't see how you trade fourteenth overall in a second round pick for Rasmus yeah. Ristolainen. Like, I guess that if you like the player, listen, I Rasmus Ristolainen could succeed in Philadelphia next I year. I hope he does too because he's been playing in utter crap for the last I don't know how many years. Entire career is it literally <laughs> his entire career, but how like. What was the market on Rasmus Ristolainen where you as Chuck Fletcher said, sure, I'm going to pay our pick this year and then a second two years down the line for a guy who just both sides of the aisle, analytics and eye tests are now kind of getting fed up with this guy. Like that's the price is the concern for me. I can imagine in Philadelphia with the, the caliber of players they have, they can, they can just kind of keep this guy in the shadows and he won't be a big deal, but not when you pay that price. Apparently Kevin Adams, um, apparently teams who had first. Yeah. Oh, sorry. um, Yeah. It's what Kevin Adams said on, like, I think in an article for NHL.com, they were like, can you compare like the Reinhardt risk line and, returns and apparently like the market was a lot more for risk aligning that they they had to outbid teams like the philly had to outbid teams to get him for at that price 
it was that there was a thing with the first rounder that teams yeah. in the 20s were asking, but it had to be higher, which is masterful work by Kevin Adams. 100%. Right-handed defenseman, man. They are uh, at a premium. There, there is another right-handed defenseman who's a UFA that is linked to a Canadian market, um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified to see what the contract is. Quite honestly, with you, though, I, I, I just, I love Philly. I love them for all the wrong. It is kind of bad where it's like, so we couldn't defend, so we brought in Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, apparently, a big thing with Philly. This is also from Thirty One Thoughts that um, a look inside their sort of mind here. Is they had they feel like they had some quit last year, and apparently Ristolainen has a, a really good reputation for being like a guy who really freaking cares. Now, that kind of sounds silly. That oh my god, an athlete cares. Excuse the motorcycle, but like in the NHL, you'd be surprised watching some games when guys give up. So apparently Ristolainen is is a great teammate. Again, I'm I'm rooting for him so badly because just everyone dog piles on him for his play, but. Again, that is a defenseman who can put up like 40 points like nothing. Uh, he's a He can be a real meanie. I don't know why I said meanie, but you know what I mean? <laughs> he can be a real uh, tough SOB. Um, I was really hoping, again, a Canadian team I will not name would get him, but uh, that's not going to happen. Though so I just I think he can really help like a power play in that. Like I I just really like Rasmus Ristolainen. And I, it just seems like a great guy. Finland, who doesn't love that country? Only twenty six, and God, he feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, I know. And twenty six. Yeah, he's only twenty six, and um, same draft as McKinnon. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, he's a baby too, McKinnon. Wow. So we'll see how it happens because, like, I know a lot of people are kind of saying, you know, you that was a home run thing for you to get Ryan Ellis, but then. It's like, oh, you follow up with Rasmus Ristolainen. But again, it's like maybe change environment. And when you said that he's one player that really does care a lot, I'm like, man, to be in Buffalo for that long and have that mentality and that stride. Yeah. And you know what? How about we put it like this? I don't think they really gave up anything to get up Ryan, to lose Ryan Ellis. Like, like no offense, what was Nolan Patrick's value? So maybe in my eyes, I, I, like I did with Buffalo, I balance it out. Okay, I'm, I'm on Philly's team here. I haven't always been on Philly's team before, but uh, yeah. All right, so here's the here's the main event. We'll talk about some quick signings afterwards, but okay. I love the Canucks as well. Oh. So, they pull out a deal. I remember seeing the notification for this trade and thinking, oh my goodness, this cannot be happening. The Canucks have finally acquired Oliver ekman Larson. Uh, by the way, he is 12% retained on his salary. And they also receive RFA Connor Garland. Good player. Which is, all right, all right, okay. You know, you know Arizona, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Now, the issue kind of comes with uh, the Coyotes in return get the ninth overall pick. That was pretty all right. A 2022 second, a 2023 seventh. And they trade the contracts, each with a year left. And they all had trade protection, by the way, which is hilarious that Benning pulled this off. Antoine Roussel, Louis Erickson, and Jay Beagle. First off, the, the Coyotes are going to be awful next year. Now, in essence, <laughs> I'm going to read you a Frank Saravelli tweet. Great guy. 
Canucks essentially traded one more year of pain, $12 million in cap hit between Erickson, Roussel, and Beagle in exchange for a better team next season with Garland and OEL, but potential long-term cap hit consequence with OEL at $8.25 million until 2027. Again, 50% of that is retained. And, oh, wait a minute, they need to also re-sign Connor Garland. And at the same time, Quentin Hughes. And at the same time, Elias Pettersson. And by the way, OEL is declining and is one of the highest paid defensemen in the league. What do you know? Isn't that just the theme of the episode? We had the, I don't know how they're, what they're going to do. Like, I'm just genuinely concerned for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, they want to trade Nate Schmidt, who has four years left at 5.95. I'm sure a team would be willing to take him, but. I don't know what you're getting and possibly getting in return for that. They have 20, Adam and I had this discussion before you hopped on Daniel. They have $21 million in cap space have to re-sign Jason Dickinson, who they just also acquired um, Connor Garland, Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. So the end, they're going to go short term. We already know they can't afford this team can't afford long term for Hughes and Pedersen. How? Like, it, I just feel like we're kicking the issue down the line. Yeah, it's baffling to me now when you look at that defense. Where, you know, OAL might also bounce back as well sure. because he probably hit in Arizona. Yeah. Um, that they, they're going to be better next year, but. Again, like I'm just looking at Tyler Myers and OEL getting that cap hit, like both of them together. And it just, it's really crazy to me. The, the question is, when will OEL be traded back to Arizona when his contract looks horrible? <laughs> well, to be fair, Alex, he, he does have a no move clause. So he Damn. is, he is blocking it. Shoot. It's hilarious that he, by the way, he, he, he opted to come to Canada. By the way, uh, the cap hit for OEL now is uh, 7.26. The other defensemen they have under contract, Myers, um, Jack Rathbone, and again, the guy who it looks like they're going to trade because it's not working out, Nate, Nate Schmidt. Uh, also, kind of interesting that both Connor Garland and Jason Dickinson are arbitration eligible, um, which is, is not great. Now, I think we should try and be positive about the Canucks here. You guys know I'm a fan of Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah. And even at that cap hit, and he's not as good as he used to be, he's probably their second best defenseman. Yeah. yeah. I I love the fact they got Connor Garland. I'm super jealous they have that. That's a good player. That the Canucks fans, it's I I kind of I hate to kind of say this because this guy had some injury problems of his own, but it's kind of like a younger version in my eyes, and maybe probably more skilled of Michael Furlan. Um, mm-hmm. who, God, you, I wish that guy, um, like, like health wise, you, you wish him the best. Um, and not to mention, like, they're gonna get some sort of cap relief in, in, in some way with Jake Rutanen being bought out today. It's a fifty thousand dollar cap hit next year, would be half a million. Maybe they're not done, like, people have been interested in Holpe, but for what the Canucks need to do, because they have to win, that is, the Canucks have to win next year. Or else, like fine. Or else, like betting will, will wow. be gone. So, in what they are trying to do, they to they're you can't even say with a straight face. You can't even you can't even say with a straight face. Of their goal of becoming a better and improving their team, 
I think they've done a, an excellent job. I just I'm now concerned that they're going to trade Brock Besser because they need because like the salary could get really messy there, and it just seems okay. to. Be, and teams were calling about Besser. They weren't shopping him, but there were reports that he was he was getting some interest. So I'm worried, but at the same time, I to an extent. I think the Canucks are going to are going to they're not going to win the Pacific because Vegas. I think they're going to make a divisional spot. Uh-huh. And and I I I I'm, I'm trying to say I like the move. But like I can't really get it out by looking you guys in the eyes through the camera of my mouth. <laughs> but I'm trying Vancouver. And I've had a very rough relationship with the Vancouver Canucks on this podcast. But I'm going to get bending the credit here. He did something creative. He did. Sure. Yeah. He, I give a B he, minus. He did something that he said he was, he didn't want to do, which was trade, have to trade picks to receive cap space relief. And mm. then he used that cap space relief to bring in 7.25 Oliver Ekman Larson. So this is, this is the reason I'm, I'm not entirely sure what on earth they're doing. The rumor that was going around is that they needed, they wanted $15 million allocated towards Pedersen and Hughes. So in that theory, they would be left with $6 million to then sign Connor Garland and Jason Dickinson and then fill out the rest of their roster. Like that's, that's where the concern is for me is how are you like, I, I believe that Jim Benning wants to win. I believe that's every GM wants to win. How are you going to win with no depth? I, a Maple Leafs fan who watched that, just said the team, there's no depth. Like, I'm telling you that you kind of need depth. And then if they do trade Holpe, they're probably going to have to retain, but then you need to get a replacement for him. You're also probably, like, if you trade Schmidt, then there's room to get a defenseman there. But then, and this guy's not, not going to cost you a lot, but there's only a levy. Like, you, you'll, and you know, to your point, you, you'll fill bodies there, but it's just the quality there. It's just going to be, it's not going to be great. I, I know this is a high standard, but because not every team is Tampa Bay. But when you look at Tampa Bay's third line of uh, Gourd, Coleman, and Goudreau, I, I just I don't see that here. I don't see anything close to resembling that type of third line as Vancouver's third line. It's way too top heavy, I think, that they're gonna expect Patterson, you know, Besser, or even Horvat to have like those breakout years where they could still try to hold on to those like, you know, the anchor the offense. But again, like it's just Vancouver it's just they just seem gutted in a way. And when I look at their like, you know, that's Lee Paul Colson, maybe he'll surprise us. But again, like he's going to be a guy that has to play in the top six. And now again, like I look at that, those bottom pairings and it's just funny because like they, it's like another cycle of things where you look at like a Jay Beagle or you look like an Anton Roussel, these guys you want to play in the bottom pairings, but like really are you going to overpay other guys again to plug in there? You're going to have to. Um, Vancouver. Just they're gonna remember Benny said they're gonna be aggressive in free agency too. So oh, there's bet. a move coming. It's gonna I, be. Uh... I bet everyone was so happy to hear that in Vancouver. 
All right, we'll rapid fire through the last three okay. points we kind of got here. Uh, first off, RFA Pavel Budznevich up for arbitration is traded to St. Louis. This is a very strange one for the Rangers. Uh, for Sammy Blay and a 2022 second from the St. Louis Blues, uh, I think that's like even whatever he gets paid. I really like that deal for St. Louis, and mm-hmm. I just don't understand what the Rangers are doing anymore because um, – I just, I don't, that six year deal with Barclay Goudreau. And I'm thinking, man, uh, in a short term deal, I feel like you could have done that with Booch and move away from skill and looking more towards the will, I guess. Also, wouldn't he be a good piece to include in a Jack Eichel trade? No, they, because they don't want to give anything up, apparently. Okay, cool. So, yeah, no, awesome. I just, I don't really understand this deal either. It's, it's mm-hmm. a tad confusing. Uh, from a Rangers perspective, I think it's a good move for St. Louis, you know, I guess bringing a new face to a team that had a rough year and I'll bring it up again. I guess Daniel is right. They make the playoffs. Um, but uh, we'll with the Rangers, like their side of it, it's just maybe they just didn't want to pay Buchnevich, which is totally understandable. But again, I think it's that weird thing with the Rangers when, when we, when you, Alex, you talked about Artemi Panarin coming into this young team like suddenly with all those high draft picks they have, they have a bunch of wingers that they have to put somewhere. Like I don't think Vitaly Kretsiev is going to play in the bottom six or, you know, Capo Caco, he's going to want to have, try to have a bounce back year. So that's the only mentality I kind of see there where it's like, they want these cost, these cost control kind of guys who have the high potential to potentially fill in that top six, but I don't know. It's underwhelming return, to be honest. For a guy that I really thought that, you know, he stuck around when the Rangers were still figuring out things. Um, by the way, I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, Capocacco doesn't need a bounce back here. He just needs a good year. Yeah. Uh, that guy. Next, Taylor Hall has re signed in Boston, $6 million AAV, which I'm pretty sure he was making before. It's a four year deal. That's $24 million total. And I hate when the Bruins sign a good deal, and it seems to happen every other day. They almost got us there, the media. They said, oh, Taylor Hall in Boston, not going to happen. And uh, guess what? It happened. Uh, I do. I, I like this deal. I think even if they don't bring David Krejci back and we're still unsure about what on earth they're going to do there, I think it, what it does is you can plug in a Charlie Coyle. Hopefully he can fit into that role. And it didn't work great the first time, but second time hopefully it works and it gives that center finally two proper wingers that they've been looking for for years there's also another center that may come back from sweden to help plug him in there is it jacob forsbacker carlson yes it is i mean listen i hope but uh it's a tough one to tough one to (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so I don't think so. You- um, a quick shout out to Penny Alexiak. Oh yes, silver medal. I was I was trying to make a joke because you know it's a, it's such a shame that in the hockey world everyone takes takes like really makes fun of Jamie Alexiak, and he had such a good year. Like it's yeah. this great great sort of money like really defines his role. Uh, like the marquee pick in in the uh, the expansion draft, and then like a week later his little sister gets a silver medal for Canada, and you're like, Matt. I was going to put in the jo- the doc because the joke was always Penny's brother. I was going to put Jamie's sister, but it just no. wasn't as funny. <laughs> it didn't work the same way. <laughs> it just doesn't. 
Yeah. He seems like such a good guy too. Yes, I'm happy for him. I, I've mentioned it before where when he was picked 14th overall in 2011 and then he just didn't really have it. I get at the beginning, everyone was like, he was a bust. Like his, like his, uh, his uh, ceiling was, you know, bottom pairing seventh defenseman kind of like, you know, the, the games kind of uh, past these type of big guys. And then he's really transformed himself like the second go around for Dallas to actually become like an anchor kind of guy where we mentioned Jake Muzzin again, where, you know, it's a, a gritty guy that, got better with his skating and he really adapted to what he couldn't be for the NHL. Mm-hmm. Finally here, uh, a great sort of contract for the Colorado avalanche. Cause they needed more of those. Kale McCarr, the second best defenseman technically this year in Norris uh, candidates. He'll probably win the Norris one day. Great young defenseman, best skater in the league. Probably McDavid's the fastest McCarr though. My Lord, he's good. It is a six-year deal, $54 million. It's a $9 million AAV. Apparently, they wanted to try and keep him around the range of Miko Rontanen. Uh, it would have gone towards $10 million if it was an eight-year deal. But I am sickened by how good a deal this is. And he is, is like, honestly, I was going to be surprised if he was less than 10 for this deal. The fact that both him and Haskinen are under 9.5 is... Mwah. And Hughes must be so mad seeing Vancouver with no cap space because he's just missing out on a payday right now. And because he's all right, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Hughes is uneligible for an offer sheet. This is true. Which yeah. I, which if he was eligible, I would have said, I would have said, New Jersey, pick up the damn phone and make a damn deal because that will be that will be awesome. They joked about that with him in the interview because he's with his brother, and they're like, yep. hey, "You're gonna play." And he just kind of laughed about it. And he's like, "Yep, yeah, probably," because I can't stand it. I hope so. <laughs> no, I, I I think this deal is incredible for for the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, obviously, Kale McCarr is getting paid, and that will take him, if I can do math correctly, to his to about 28 years old. So you're going through the. Pr- kind of his prime but that contract will end kind of towards that big big peak and then he'll get paid again yeah uh, hopefully the cap will be moving but i i don't know <laughs> who knows anymore but just overall like just make making sure he's there is it was number priority number one for that team it just again it's it's great that he he took a team friendly contract that he has that team mentality going for him and it's just unfair, Colorado. <laughs> like Sam Gerard, Devon Taves, Kemal Carr, and then they didn't even play Bowen Byram that much. And like that guy is gonna shine. Right. Sure. Um, okay, that is everything, gentlemen. Uh Chicago, you wanted to talk about Stan Bowman. I just Oh now. yeah. Um listen. If you're in the scenario that the Blackhawks are under right now, especially when some of the um, plaintive accounts are coming out of um, the Aldridge situation. I, I just think it was, and and the fact that the Habs had made their pick right before Chicago, and you go from this this the like the the ESPN panel being floored about it, and then it cuts to Bowman, and he has like and just like the group of people he had with him, like strong women, like you hate to like disparage them, but. It just seemed like such a PR stunt, and the Blackhawks just look like terrible with it. I I don't know how 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 uh, not Batman 
Uh, how mad was Batman after the last two picks of the first round? I wonder. Like just like the fact that Bowman and the rest of that group thought that was a good idea, just made the, if 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 the Habs hadn't done what they did, the Blackhawks would be being ripped apart right now. Because it was just you're so it's so obvious what you're doing that it's almost kind of sad and it's not fair to the women you brought on because it's just they're just sort of caught up in it and I I don't like it from the Blackhawks I I don't I really really don't I, and I don't I don't feel bad that you just gave Seth Jones one of the worst deals in the National Hockey League I just I just don't like what they're doing yeah it feels like an absolute PR stunt and I feel like they knew exactly what they were. Exactly like I feel like they knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Like, yeah, it was just kind of like these things come out and it's like we have a blockbuster to announce. And I don't know, it just it just kind of feels again like we intangibles already, like the details of what he gave up, it just kind of felt like and this is all speculation that the higher ups were like by any means necessary, you should do a trade like this because he did get fleeced. All right, well, uh, that's everything for the show today. Uh, thank you to Voice Ed as always being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out my YouTube channel. Check out uh, Daniel's stuff for CJRU and Hockey Riders and all that. Uh, Alex's blog, all that shenanigans. Check out the show's social everywhere, including YouTube, uh, all the TikTok, Facebook. Why not? And all that Why kind not? of fun stuff. Our personal um, social medias as well. Check out the show wherever you listen to your podcast, because if not, like, then how are you listening to this? If you're on like the podcast app, give us a rating. Five stars. That would be pretty sweet. Write a review. What do you think of the draft? It's pretty fun, right? And that's it. (laughs) Goodbye.